Okay. How's it going? I'd like to welcome you back to the Dadness Madness podcast for May 30th, 2020. I'd like to thank you for joining me for episode four. I was on vacation last week and uh, was bedridden for about three days. Uh, I have a long-standing spinal injury um, that has been going on since I was about 14, um, which causes some nerve compression and uh, pretty intense pain. Uh, So I just laid low last weekend because I didn't have to go to work. And uh, I blew off the podcast because I couldn't really sit long enough to record it. So uh, glad to have you back. Thanks for sticking with me. Uh, Let's get into it. Today's podcast is brought to you by Tap Water. Yes, it comes to your house in a pipe. It's not as fancy stuff in a plastic bottle, but it's pretty much the same stuff. Tastes good. Put some ice in it. You're good to go. That's tap water. It's more expensive than you think. And also brought to you by Homemade Coffee. Yes, that's Homemade Coffee. I'm a little bit too cheap to buy coffee out, but I'm also a kind of a coffee connoisseur. And when you make it at home, you have a much better uh, control over the quality and the amount. Uh, and you definitely have a much better control of the price. That's coffee made at home. Because it's way too expensive to buy every day. Before we hop into current events, uh, just two things that are on my mind. Uh, I joke about homemade coffee, but I personally love coffee. Um, I, I like different types of coffee. I like the strongest coffee you can find, basically. Um, and... I don't like to buy coffee. I know that's a big thing, and people like to carry their uh, Starbucks cups around and such, but whenever I make coffee at home, I I say it's cheaper, but once you get into all the equipment and special coffee, it's not necessarily any cheaper. But I think, especially in the morning, um, the process, the um, ceremony, involved in making your own coffee if you're grind your own beans you know what i mean you're, you're setting that perfect grind you're, you're setting it up i actually use a, a hario uh, v60 pour over setup which is basically the same thing that's in your regular coffee uh, maker but you're doing it all by by hand you, you weigh out your coffee and then you hand pour it over it, it makes a lot of difference. Uh, you can make different coffee taste different ways depending on how you prepare it. Um, and I think that's a, uh, a metaphor for your day. Your day can be different depending on how you prepare it. Your day can be different about how you treat it. Um, your day can be different, um, you know, from, from how you got dressed in the morning. Uh, did you get up on time? Did you get to... It's just a matter of, of doing things right, starting things out correctly. Um, I highly recommend 
if you're a coffee drinker, give it a shot. Try making your own. Um, the other thing we're going to cover is it's called EDC, um, which is the concept of everyday carry. That's a big thing nowadays, especially with um, middle-aged dads like myself and suburban dads like myself. Um, I like to carry a knife. And some people go, oh, that's scary. Why would you carry a knife? You know, you don't you don't need a knife. Actually, it, it's an incredible uh, tool. I use my pocket knife probably 15, 16, 20 times a day. Uh, from food prep to opening boxes to sharpening pencils if I don't have a sh pencil sharpener around. Uh, to cutting... Uh, straps on packages. Um, I think every man should carry a pocket knife. In general, your grandfather and your great-grandfather always carried a pocket knife. The uh, founders uh, of this country all carried pocket knives pretty much. Because uh, when you were writing something, that's where the term pen knife comes from. When you hear someone say, oh, I got a pen knife. It's not because it's a knife that's shaped like a pen. It is a knife that was designed to be used to sharpen your quills. When you would write with a feather, with a turkey feather, with a goose feather, uh, your, your quills were cut with a pocket knife. So the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution of this great nation were all written with quills that were cut with a pocket knife. It's not a weapon, it's a tool. So I think every man worth his salt, as it were, uh, should carry a pocket knife, you know, provided that your company allows you to carry one. Most companies will allow you to carry up to a three-inch blade. But uh, that's one of the things that I'm into and I enjoy. Uh, actually, today I am carrying a... Spiderco Paramilitary 3 Lightweight. It is a made in USA um, by a company called Spiderco. They're out of Golden, Colorado. It's actually run by a father and son team. And this knife was designed by a father and son team. It has a compression lock on the back, uh, which is basically like a frame lock. So it locks open, stays open as long as you need it to be open. It has an FRN handle, which is a fiber reinforced nylon. So it is plastic, but it's also basically like fiberglass, uh, but a little bit softer on your hands. It actually has a sub three inch blade. It's made out of CTS BD1N steel. Um, basically what that, what you need to know about that if you're not in steel, it's an American made steel. Um, made right here in the United States. This knife was made in America, designed in America, and I'm carrying it in America. Um, I am not someone who thinks that quality um, is based on lines on a map. It's not true. Uh, the Italians make some great knives. Chinese make some great knives, um, depending on, on what company you're dealing with and what company you're going to. But over the past couple months, uh, I have made a conscious decision that I am only going to buy pocket knives and products, if I can, mind you, 
that are USA made and specifically if it's a US company I want to buy their products that are made in the US by US craftsmen with US uh, steels and ingredients and parts um, I think it's important to support companies that are US based making things in the United States employing uh, fellow citizens of the United States um, that's not a political statement that's just an economical statement so um, I think everybody should carry a pocket knife I think everybody should carry an American made pocket knife if you can if you can afford it and if not uh, I definitely think that uh, you'll find that you use it a lot more than you think you would and that is my EDC speech for the day Alrighty, let's get into the uh, the meat of today's podcast. Um, I'm going to skip current events just because of the fact right now they're all pretty much negative. Um, there was a violent event with a policeman who murdered a by uh, a citizen. Uh, by standing on his neck with his knees uh, for about eight minutes. Uh, the man was not charged with anything. They were not serving a warrant. They were investigating something and uh, somehow deemed him as resisting. So they killed him. Uh, that's, that's pretty much my impression of the event. Um, I don't care whether it was a white cop and a, a, a black victim. I don't care if it was a black cop and a white victim. fact of the matter is we cannot allow police to become uh, judge, jury, and executioners in this country. We cannot allow government agents, which what a pol police person is, that's what law enforcement is, is a government agent. Um, we cannot allow government agents to murder citizens who are innocent of crimes. Um, that's about as political as I want to be today. Um, COVID-19 is still a thing. A lot of states are opening up. A lot of states are starting to pick up a second wave. Um, here in Pennsylvania, where I'm at, uh, we're starting to loosen up and we're going to go to what they call a green phase, which is basically everybody's open, but everybody's paying attention to CDC rules. So uh, I'm, I'm stoked to get the country back on its its grinder, um, back on the hamster wheel and moving forward. I just hope people don't become complacent at this point with um, being careful. Washing your hands, cleaning surfaces, paying attention to your surroundings and what goes on, and giving people personal distance. Uh, so that's really going to do it for current events today. Um, I'm pretty sure you probably already know about it. So we'll let that be as it is. Today's quote is, success is not final, failure is not fatal. 
And it is the courage to continue that separates victors from the fallen. That is a quote by a gentleman by the name of Winston Churchill. You may have heard of him. Uh, you can Google him if you'd like. Uh, but that's an important quote. Uh, why is it important? Success does not define the act of either making money or accomplishing your goals completely to me. Success is a good thing. But it is through failures that you reach success. Almost nobody is successful on their first try. Almost nobody. It doesn't it doesn't happen. Um I think those are outliers and few and far between. I think that the most successful people that we would look up to as successful these days, uh, both in political spectrum and a business spectrum and a sports spectrum, are not people that were naturally gifted and effective on the first track. Now, I'm not saying people aren't naturally gifted. I'm saying your real champions, as it were, of both sports and business and politics are people who didn't give up. They are people who failed and failed and failed and failed. And their consistency and their drive to get back up and keep going Learning from the failure that they had and continuing to move forward is the real key to their success. Um, so the fact that your success is not final because you have to constantly improve and you have to constantly adapt. Uh, failure is not fatal. There are some people that feel that failure is a message to stop. Failure is not a message to stop. Failure is a message to pull back. Um, rethink your strategy. Rethink your process. Rethink your support group. Rethink everything that caused the failure. Uh, not to just take it upon yourself as the only reason for failure was that we're just not good enough. Maybe you're not good enough. Maybe you need to get better. But that doesn't mean that you're never going to get better. Um, I was watching uh, the Michael Jordan documentary. It's not really a Michael Jordan documentary per se. He's definitely the hero of it. But uh, it's out on... I actually watch it on Hulu, but it's on all sorts of things. Uh, it's called The Last Dance. And it's a discussion of the 1998 Chicago Bulls. Now, I was a, a, a basketball fan. We had a basketball hoop at my house. Uh, we lived out in the country, and really there was only like three families local right around my house with kids, and some of the kids were just, you know, turds, if you will. And uh, my dad put up a basketball hoop, and I used to play basketball by myself because that was the only um, only interaction or only sport that I could play by myself. 
And I think all across this country, there's a lot of kids who end up playing basketball because it's not expensive. Uh, you can make anything a hoop. There's plenty of municipal courts around, so it's uh, financially feasible and it is easy access. Um, but I used to, man, I used to love backing up on the driveway and taking uh, three-point shots and, you know, th those buzzer beater shots where you're just winging it over your head uh, toward the, the hoop and hoping. Um, and the more and more I played, the better I got. Uh, I could shoot threes relatively well. After a while, um, not right offhand, because you would just bounce that ball right off the, the rim. Um, but through timing and practice and, and repetition, I got better. I got better on that, that finger roll. I got better on putting an arc on my shot. Um, and I was able to build my skill till I was relatively successful of being able to make shots that I want. Now we would go um, to church and play basketball. Our youth group rented a gym at the time, and we used to go down and just shoot around and, and, and enjoy that time and that, uh, that output. But I learned very quickly that there were guys that were on that court that were much better than me. Uh, that had different different skill set that could make rebounds, that could uh, just drill three point shots, it could just you know layups like crazy. Um, and I learned very rapidly that making shots on a regulation hoop uh, from a flat surface is a lot different than making shots. Uh, from a wonky driveway and, and, and different um, altitudes, depending on where you were standing. So what I thought was successful and what I thought was good at home shooting baskets did not translate to shooting baskets on, a, on an actual court with other people that were better than I was. Now, how I bring this back to being successful, I didn't quit. I, I continued to take shots. I got better at playing on a flat surface because um, I played on a flat surface. And I think that a lot of times people forget that sometimes competition will make you better. What you thought was good at home by yourself with no defense on a, a wonky driveway shooting at a plywood backboard um, while you were successful in that instance, in that space, with that ball and that hoop. When you go to a different setting with different competition and different people around you and different um, environment, you're not as successful. That doesn't mean you stop. That means you continue to get better in that environment. You can't just say, oh, 
I showed up to play with all these guys that can actually play and what I thought was a good skill set and what I thought was a good setup at home, uh, I can't make these shots anymore because things are different. That doesn't mean that you stop. That doesn't mean that you stop doing it at home. It just means that you get better doing it where you're at. And I think a lot of people lose track of the fact that you learn your best things when you your only competition is yourself. Uh, I think that when you worry too much about other people's competition and other people's level in the environment that you're in, I think it really does come back to being able to make shots and make your game better at home on a wonky basketball court and then being able to show up on a regulation court with even better players and still hone that skill set and still be able to keep on with those guys because those guys are not really your competition in life. Your competition is yourself. Um, there is a, a custom knife maker named Mick Strider uh, who makes some really awesome hard-use knives. And one of his one of his colloquialisms and sayings with his company is our only competition is death. And while I think that makes sense, I'm going to add our only competition is ourselves and death. Um, I think a lot of people are often struck by their own mortality. Um, they don't realize that you might not necessarily get tomorrow. You might not necessarily get next week. You might not necessarily get a month from now. Be it um, the environment you're in, being it that you put yourself in the wrong environment, that you're not taking care of yourself um, medically. I'm, I'm a big victim of that. Um, but I, I think that a lot of people are too worried about making things right later and getting better later. I'm going to try right now just to play ball with these guys on this flat court, and I know they're better than me, but I'm going to, do, I'm, I'm going to try hard, and I'm going to get bummed out when they're better than me. Well, you're, you're not competing with them. You're competing with the guy that went to play there last week. You're competing with yourself. And I think a lot of people lose track of that. Um, I grew up in an age where the no fear shirts were big. And Nike shirts were big. The, the just do it. Um, the game time. Win or nothing. Uh, second place is the first loser. He who dies with the most toys wins. That kind of thing. And I think that hyper-masculine culture and aggressive stances that people were putting up with and listening to, yeah, that, that's all great whenever you're down 25 points 
and you got 12 minutes to go in the fourth quarter, and your coach is screaming at you that you you need to be able to play defense and you know so forth and so on. I, I get it; those are uh, cliches, but it's not a way to live your life. Um, second place is the person that was as close to winning and needs to modify what they were doing. Very often, second place this week is first place next week if they can make the changes and the correct corrections that will lead them on to victory. Uh, so I jotted down six different steps that I think that people can concentrate in the competition with themselves. Um, there's no point in competing with death. There's not. You can't control it. It comes for you when it wants to. You can be ready for it, but you can't compete against it. It will beat you. Everybody's going to die. And that's not a negative thing. Um, there, there's a phrase in Latin that was big during Victorian times called memento mori. means remember you die. Well, it's actually on my Facebook page. It says Memento Mori, Memento Vivere, which in poor Latin, after four years in school, shout out to Mr. Toscano, um, that means remember you die, remember to live. Um, you can't fight that. But you can compete, you can fight, and you can hone your skill with your past self to a certain extent. Um, I think a lot of people need to realize, number one, fighting against your past self. You cannot fight against your past self along the lines of beating yourself up for being the person you used to be. I, while still am not the person I want to be, not the person I used to be. And I used to put it this way. I've done some bad things in my life. I've hurt people. I've scared people. I've disfigured people. And while that is something that changed my life and uh, looking back on it, looking back at the harm I caused, I was a terrible person. And I think a lot of us have traits like that. And a lot of us have those thoughts that, man, I'm, I'm a terrible person. Well, stop being a terrible person. Stop constantly thinking about bad things you did to other people. You're different. You're older, you're wiser, you're a different human being. Be different. Be better. Turn away from those things. Um, you used to hurt people. Yeah, well, well, now you should try to help people. Does it even out? No. You're, you're always going to live with that. You're always going to have that necessity to move forward and, and be better and be different. But the fact of the matter is you cannot fight your past self every day. I cannot fight myself from 10 years ago every day. I cannot allow myself to dwell in the bad things that I did. 
I can remember the bad things that I did. I can correct my behavior for the future, but I can't constantly allow that old self to crush what I'm trying to do now. It hits a point that you have to give up that old self. You have to give up what you did. You have to learn from it, but you also have to put it away. You're not that person. You're better. You're different. You've moved forward. You're learning things. You're changing things. And you're trying to help people, not hurt people. Um, That's a main thing you got to do. You cannot let your old self, your mistakes of the past, define you for what you are today. It should sharpen and fall off. When you are smoothing something out or sharpening something and you are using sandpaper, okay, you can only use sandpaper for so long before it stops being abrasive. So if you're taking something down with 180 grit sandpaper on a belt, that belt is not going to be 180 grit sandpaper from day one to day 30. It's not. It wears. Pieces of that fall off. Things are different. Um, it gets clogged with wood. It gets clogged with metal. It's no longer as abrasive as it was. It doesn't work the same. And there are times in your life that you have to change that belt. It's not what it was when you It's time to pull that belt off the grinder, set it aside, and put a new belt on. And you're going to start with a little bit softer belt because you've already used that 180 grit belt. So now you're going to step it up to a 220 grit belt. It's still going to be gritty. It's still going to be abrasive. It's still going to take off material and shape things. But you don't need to use that 180 grit belt because it's not a 180 grit belt anymore. You set it aside and you move forward. Um, now, now, when you take that belt off, you're not going to throw it away. You're going to set it aside. You're going to hang it up. Um, Because a lot of times in the industry, say you're making something and you've just cast a part um, and this part still has some um, mold scale. Uh, So on the side where the mold fit together, it wasn't exactly uh, perfect and you're still going to get a little bit of an overlap. You take that old belt that's no longer 180 grit, you slap it on, you use it called breaking the edge. So you're going to break the edge on that new piece that you just made. Those little gaps where you don't want to take a whole lot of material off, but you just want to use that that old, beat up, worn out belt to break the edge because you don't want to break the edge with a brand new belt. In the same way that when you're fighting your past self, when you're using things from your past to make yourself better, you can't take off a lot of material. You're just, you're just going to break the edge. So when you're thinking, oh, I did this, I did that, that one time I punched this guy, that one time I I threw this guy in a dumpster. No, you're not going to do that. You've got to think, I was a violent person in my past. I'm still a violent person now, but I'm not this, I I don't succumb to that violent urge like I used to. You're going to use that old belt to break a new edge. You're, you're not thinking about individual situations. You're thinking about overall shaping of something. Um, analysis. 
is number two thing we're going to talk about. There is such thing as paralysis by analysis, meaning that you sit there and analyze and you think of this and you take measurements and you process this and then you check your blueprint and you take your measurement again. All good things. Okay? It's good to take measurements. But the saying is measure twice, cut once. Okay? Measure twice, cut once. Why is that? Why is it not measure uh, measure 30 times and think about cutting it? Or measure 40 times and come back to it? No. It's measure twice, cut once. I encourage you not to become paralyzed by the analysis of your past and, and analysis of what you're going up against in the future. Your goal is you're trying to be a better man than you were yesterday, right? So you look at what happened and then you think about it and you look at what happened again and then you execute. You move forward. You, you do better. You don't just keep thinking about doing better. You do better. And if you mess up, guess what? You can measure again. You can cut another time. You can take a new measurement on this new dimension of your raw material and you can move forward. Measure, measuring twice, cut once. And then it's not the same piece of wood. Okay? Don't overanalyze. Do not be seized by paralysis by analysis. Number three, stop fighting other people. What does that mean? To me, that means don't beat your brothers down. The people that are around you that are, are negative, you don't need to be there. Stop fighting them. Just uh, take yourself away from that situation. Put yourself around people that are fighting the same battle you're fighting. And you don't just go up and start slugging on them, right? You, you, you don't fight people who are fighting the same battle as you are. They're fighting their old selves. They're fighting the past. You don't go up to them and start beating on them now. You have to support someone who's willing to change. If that person is not willing to change and make that change and be a better human being, your purpose isn't served. You're not going to help them. They're not going to help you. So what you do is you wade forward. You wade forward. You make your stance and you reach back and give that person a hand up. If you're climbing, if you're climbing rocks, you, you don't pull down on the person ahead of you. You don't pull them down to even them up with you. You go ahead of them, and then you reach back and help them up. Or you ask them for help up because they're already ahead of you. You don't pull them down against you. You don't throw rocks at them. You're in the same boat. You're trying to make it across the same summit. Don't fight the people who are in the same fight with you. When you're climbing a mountain, and you have people standing at the bottom talking about climbing a mountain, looking back down the mountain to a softer area than it was before, you don't want to be around people who just want to stay on the plane. They don't, you don't want to stick around people that want to be at base camp one. You are looking to go to base camp two. 
you, you put yourself with base camp two people. When, when you're talking about climbing a mountain, okay, uh, Mount Everest, you don't just show up and start climbing. You have to acclimate yourself. And then you go to base camp one. Base camp one is where everybody's getting their equipment together. They're double checking stuff. They're meeting their Sherpas, so forth and so on. And you're going to make that trip to base camp number two. Now, when you wake up on the on the day that you're moved to an ex, another base camp, you don't stand at base camp number two and throw rocks down on the people at base camp one. You don't try to push them back down the hill. You don't put your head, your, your boot on their head and shove them back over. You, you turn around and you look to base camp number three. Because shortly after base camp number three, you're going to be able to go to the summit. Now, at base camp number two, there are going to be people that went to base camp number three and didn't make it to base camp to the summit. They had to come back down to base camp number two. Okay. And you're dealing with guys at base camp number two that are either they're done. They're heading back down to base camp number one and they're getting off the mountain or they're coming back to base camp number two and they're getting their breath back. They're reacclimating. They're checking their equipment and they're going back up base camp number three you talk to the guys that are on the way back down to base camp number one you find out why they're going back to base camp number one you find out what they did wrong you find out if they mixed their oxygen at four percent when they should have been mixing their oxygen at eight percent okay and then you go over and you talk to the guys that are on base camp number two and are about to head back up to base camp number three you find out what they're doing differently, what they what they were involved with, and why they're back down to base camp number two, and then you follow with them to base camp number three. You say, hey, let me carry a little bit of oxygen instead of you carrying four tanks um, and me carrying two. We can both carry three. And you're going to head back up with that crew going to base camp number three. You're not going to beat them down at base camp number two. You're not going to spend time taking their stuff and going, oh, you idiots. You didn't make, you went up to base camp number three. Now you're going to come back down to base camp number two and act like you own the place. Listen to me. They made it farther than you did. And they're trying to get back there. Learn from them. Okay. Um, now, moving on to number four. Fight the negative self. Okay. Don't beat yourself up. There's a difference between fighting your negative self and beating yourself up. Beating yourself up is current. It is questioning every decision you make. Got an idea. You need to separate the good decisions you made from the bad decisions you made. And you don't beat yourself up over good decisions. And you really don't beat yourself up over bad decisions. Okay. You knock those bad decisions out. You neutralize them. You figure out why I did this. I can't do this again. I got to do it differently now. And you take them out of the fight. You understand? So negative thoughts, negative feelings, you address them and you knock them out and you move forward. Okay. Uh, number five. If you're in the 
into fighting and a part of any kind of combat sports. You may be familiar with the concept of a fight camp. Okay, A fight camp is where a fighter goes in and they've got a contracted fight. Okay? Means that they're agreeing to fight someone. And they're going to take six to eight weeks. And they're going to get their diet right. They're going to tighten up their technique. They're going to bring in guys that know about their opponent and what they do. They're going to know about um, their techniques, their habits. What's their favorite thing to do? What's, are, are, are they ready to um, throw a right hand after a low kick? Is that their favorite thing to do? Okay. Fight camps are good. But what you cannot do is you do not start a fight camp when you're in the ring fighting today's opponent. What does that mean? That means the future will come. You can prepare yourself for the future. But right now, you're fighting yourself. You're fighting what you see before you. You're fighting what happened yesterday. You're fighting the feelings that you had yesterday. You're fighting the feelings that you have next week. Don't worry about what's coming down the pipe right now. Okay? You be ready to fight. Just, But you got to finish this one first. So all the practice, all the training, everything you put into the fight right now, the opponent that's standing in front of you right now, you're going to use. You're going to use those same skills for the next fighter. But you don't even know what that fighter is. So until you have made your point, until you have defeated the opponent in front of you right now, there is no use about worrying about the next fight camp. Take care of what you can take care of now, which is the opponent in front of you. Don't worry about having to go back to your old fight camp or start for your new fight camp. Worry about the opponent that's in front of you now. Worry about getting that promotion that you want. Worry about solving your relationship with your wife. Find out why your wife's upset at you now. What did you do? Um, what does she think you did? All those things. In your life, you have to fight every day to be better than you were yesterday. And you do that by fighting the opponent in front of you right now today. Tomorrow's another day. You worry about right now, today. So you can accomplish and be ready and not have to fight two people in the ring tomorrow. You're not fighting your, yourself of tomorrow. You're fighting yourself of yesterday. You're not fighting yourself today. You're fighting yourself yesterday. You're being better than the person you were. You are making changes to your opponent today. You are making your your different fighter in the second round. You understand what I'm saying? You can be better if you're only trying to fight what you're dealing with in front of you. I know with my anxiety, I'm constantly worried. I'm constantly worried about my legacy. I'm constantly worried about where I'm going to be next week. I'm worrying about things that don't, don't matter. I'm worrying about things that I can't change. 
I'm worrying about a fighter's technique that I haven't even signed a contract to fight. When I should be worrying about the fighter in front of me, who is myself and has got me beat down pretty far. I can't just just not answer the bell for the next round. I have to fight the man I'm dealing with right now. I cannot start a fight camp for my next fight in round three of a five-round fight that I'm in today. Number six, and, and this is going to be the last one we're going to talk about. Failure is not losing. Okay? Failure is not losing. Failure is not getting up. That's where failure is. As a father, as a man, I am constantly worried about failure. And I bet you you are too. I bet your failure is in your mind. I bet you you think you were a failure as a, as a, a son or you're a failure as a father. Stop thinking about failure. Stop worrying about failure. That has passed. It is over. You finished all five rounds. You've learned what you could. You've taken your you've taken your knock you've taken your TKO. The doctor had to stop the fight in round five. Well, that doesn't that doesn't you you've lost that fight. But you're walking out of the ring. You're you're not going to sit there and lay on the canvas and die. You're going to get up. You're going to regroup. And you're, you're going to fight again. You're going to start that fight camp we were talking about. And in that fight camp, you're going to be better. You're going to review the tape. You, you don't watch the same fight again and again and again. You, you review your tape. You find out what's wrong. And then you worry about your next opponent. And you get yourself right. Get your cardio back up. You recover from this fight. You take a rest period. You get your massages. There, there's no reason to not get back up. That is the only failure that you have. The failure isn't the loss. The failure is not moving forward. Um, a lot of people who don't practice martial arts, specifically grappling arts and jujitsu in excuse me, jujitsu in particular. Oh, uh, he tapped out. Oh, that got tapped. Oh, you let him tap you. There are some times when you are fighting your, your worst self that you are gonna get tapped. That doesn't that doesn't mean that you're beaten. That means you got me. I'm going to let up. I'm going to recalibrate. I'm going to go back in, slap and bump, get back to the fight, get back to that constant struggle with your former self, get back to putting that effort in, um, get back to learning. Tapping out is not a failure. Tapping out and walking off the mat is a failure. Tapping out and not going back is a failure. Tap out. You get up. 
you fix your gi, you tighten up, you slap, bump, and you go back. It is a constant struggle every day. You are constantly struggling against your your past self. Your, your competitor is yourself. Your competition is yourself. That's it. You need to be working on yourself. You need to not be fighting the person that you were in the past. You're fighting yourself from yesterday. You're not fighting yourself from 10 years ago because you're, you're not even in the same situation. That person doesn't know what you know now. It's not a fight. It's a constant effort to be better than you were yesterday. Stop fighting others. Quit throwing rocks at guys coming behind you. Quit throwing rocks at guys on the same level that you are. Don't fight the guys at base camp two that were at base camp three and had to come back to base camp two. You don't push the guys that are on the way back down out. You learn what they did wrong and then, then you move forward. Don't be paralyzed by analysis. Measure twice, cut once. Make your adjustments. Because once you cut it, it's not the same material. You cannot cut a 2x4 again. You can't go back together and measure again and, and start. You have to measure twice. You cut once, and then you measure again. If you have to take another cut, then you learn, you grow, you figure it out. But you can't just measure and never cut. And again, fighting your old self. Your old self is, is a worn-out belt that is not functional anymore. You can't use your old self as a tool to do the fine work that you need. Now, you can use your old self to break an edge. You can look back, and your new problem ahead that's coming in you're dealing with, you can go, you know what? I, I used to handle things like this, and I cannot handle things like this anymore. 20 years ago, in this situation, I would have done this. And then you move on. You don't think, 20 years ago, I, I would have done this. And then I would have done that. And then I would have done this. And I would have done that. And that other thing I did 20 years ago was a mistake. And you can't do that. You have to use what you did and get better. So this has been a pretty impassioned one for me because I struggle, man. I struggle. I struggle every day. I, and that's really all you got to be. You are fighting to be a better man than you were. You are showing other people that you're fighting to be a better person. You're showing other people that your failure is not in vain. It, you're, you're not going to take a failure. You can take a loss, but you never quit. You can get knocked out, but you're coming back. You can tap, but you can stand up, fix your gi, slap, bump, and go again. That is, in essence, what I'm trying to put out here, what I'm trying to encourage people. The, the only failure is not starting again. The only failure is laying on the canvas. The only failure, true failure, is to not try again. So, look back as a tool, look forward as a point of um, goal, but do not be overcome by any. You 
are fighting today. You're fighting yourself today. You're fighting yourself from yesterday. You're fighting yourself from moving forward or going back. So, our only competitor is ourself and death. And you have no control over death. So, thanks again, guys, for sticking with me today. Okay. Thank you for sticking with me and for listening to the whole podcast. This is going to become my regular uh, hypocrisy statement. I do not do as much as I should. Um, I do not do a very good job of not letting the past uh, affect my future, affect my battle for today. Um, Suffer the anxiety and depression and feelings of failure. Uh, just like you do, just like we all do. And it's something I try to do, something I push to do, but something I don't always do. And that's what you need to know about this, is that it's something that we try to do, something we push to do, something we don't always do, but something that we make a focus towards doing. So I'm a failure as well sometimes, because I don't continue on So I encourage you not to be a failure. I encourage you to to be a better person. That's the whole goal of everything that I'm talking about past four episodes. I'm trying to be a better person. I'm trying to take you with me. I'm trying to encourage you to be a better person. I'm trying to encourage you to recognize your hypocrisy and be better. I'm trying to encourage you to um, live with your anxiety and live with your depression and move forward and, and do what I'm trying to do. Um, I really appreciate you continuing to listen. If you have any questions, comments, feel free to uh, email me at bigben351427 at gmail. That's B-I-G-B-E-N three five one four two seven at gmail.com and let me know let me know what you're going through let me know what you're dealing with let me know what you're up against and uh i I, i'd love to give you a helping hand or, or do anything that i can so um have a great week this week coming up guys uh memento mori memento vivere remember you die but remember to live Keep going, press forward, Uh, be better is what this is all about. Thanks, guys.